Hi, this is Joe Peters at Coldwell Banker, and for this week's edition of In the Know with Joe, it was suggested to me that maybe talking to Rich Reitman, a lifelong resident of Somerville and someone who's got a business in the center of Somerville and have helped over Somerville businesses out, and find out from Rich what he's seen over the last year as far as the COVID effect on Somerville and how we're going to move forward at this point in time. Please listen in. Sounds good. There we go. We're live. Hey, it's Joe Peters within the Know with Joe. And my guest today is Rich Reitman of Reitman Associates in Somerville, New Jersey. Rich, say hello. Hi, how are you? Hey, great. I'm glad you could come on. Um, I know a little about your background because I read up on you before we got started. But for the listeners, why don't you tell us about what you've been up to for the last few years that brings you to be called Wow, if you want to know about Somerville, you need to talk to Rich Reitman. Well, first of all, I'm old. <laughs> and and uh, I've, been around, I've been around this town for quite some time. I, uh, I've been in business for a month shy of 45 years. Wow. Um, doing advertising, marketing, and it, uh, it finally evolved into public, pretty much public relations. Okay. Uh, which I continue to do right now on a little bit more limited basis than, than I have for the first 44 years. Um, Social Security will do that for you. I hear you. Um, but uh, I, I got involved in things. I mean, I, I, never, I never wanted to go knock on doors and solicit business. Right. So I decided that if I got involved in good things, that... I would meet people and be able to build my business. And uh, apparently it worked. Well, you know, you, you've described me to a bit too. So we're, we've got a, a kindred spirit of such. I, I'm in real estate, but I grew up in technology and IT in New York City. And I always worked in a retail vertical. And then after about 25 years of working for Macy's and Allied stores, I decided I don't want to do this anymore. I want to use my skills and it will go over to the vendor side of the fence. So I went over to the vendor side of the fence and sold for SAP and Oracle back to the retail vertical. So I traveled all over the country um, doing just that. And somewhere along the line, I accumulated these little gray things on the top of my head. And the more <laughs> you get, the harder it is to get a corporate job. So somewhere about, oh, 10 to 15 years ago, I decided to commit full-time to doing real estate, which I love to do. It allows me to use my skills and my organization skills, my technical skills, my people skills to help other people achieve their dream. And along the way, I keep my bills paid. So a lot of the real estate companies will tell you what you really need to do is start calling people at supper time and see if they want to sell their house. I, for one, don't like getting telephone calls at supper time. And secondly, I can't believe anybody's going to sell our house because I gave them a call. So I decided a better way is maybe to get involved in the counties and get to know people. And I'm in Hunterdon County. I live near Clinton, but my office is in Warren Watchonk. So I spanned the two counties. I started by doing the Leadership Hunterdon program in 2016. And then in 2018, I did the Leadership Somerset program and got to meet an awful lot of the people and understand how Somerset is wired together. 
and I'm an ambassador for both of the chambers of commerce. And I belong to about six or seven different groups that meet on a weekly, semi-monthly, monthly basis and talk about business. So when your name came to me, I said, this is a guy I got to talk to. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, you, you span two counties. I span 2.2 square miles. Wow. I pretty much, pretty much stayed in Somerville. Okay. Uh, most of my efforts, my, my, my public service efforts have been in Somerville. Um, it started off uh, when they were about to build the Bridgewater Commons. Right. Um, and I got, I got very much involved with a group opposing the Commons, um, not with any expectation of defeating the project, but if a developer comes in to develop a project that size without any opposition, he can do whatever he wants to do. Right. If there's opposition, more people will look at the project and more good things will get done. And that was the case. That was the case with our organization. We fostered some significant road improvements when they built the mall, right. um, some significant uh, drainage issues that weren't in the original plan that helped protect Somerville. Um, and, and that's pretty much how it started. So now, you know, we're talking about, uh, um, you know, the, I guess it was the early 80s um, that, that this whole initiative started. And that's what got me involved in, in local politics and local retail and all the other crazy things I've done over the last well, super. And that's, that's sort of not so much the politics, but the retail side is what I want to talk to you about. I get a lot of people saying, are you running for mayor or something? And I'm saying, no, I don't have a political bone in my body. I want to make a difference without being in charge. Uh, sort of like a, a tab on the sailboat steering device that just one little tab can make the boat go in another direction. And I do it by understanding and introducing people. And at the same time, I'm forever talking about people coming to the Somerset or Hunterdon County areas real estate wise. And I love the areas. They're two distinctly beautiful places to live. And it's fun. I enjoy doing it. I keep young at it, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I grew up, I grew up in Elizabeth. Okay. And, and moved out, moved out here when I was a sophomore in high school and uh, never left, you know, left for four years of college, came back here and uh, been here ever since. So where'd I, you go I, to college at? Uh, University of Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. Bridgeport, and, Connecticut. Okay. And then came back here, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, like I said, you know, got, got to know some of the council members, got a good handle as to what was going on in town. Um, uh, first thing, first thing we did was was uh, we put together a, a, a Pride in Somerville campaign, just to get people starting to think about their community, right. and uh, with bumper stickers and you know other things. There's still a truck in Somerville that says Pride in Somerville on it. Um, I've got a 1979 Volkswagen that has still has probably the last Pride in Somerville bumper sticker on earth. Amazing. <laughs> and and uh, but you you know got involved that way and then uh, um, got involved with politics to some degree on a local and a county level and then uh, when I Mike Kerwin and I got together and and uh, 
started to team up a little bit. Um, he ended up getting elected to council, getting elected mayor. And when he was mayor, uh, I guess he was looking at an issue with New Jersey Municipalities Magazine and saw a, a, uh, uh, a story about a special improvement district in, in Cranford. Right. Um, we started looking into it. The Bridgewater Commons was about to open. Um, we had to do something to support downtown and, and <clears throat> bring some positive attention to downtown. Okay. And uh, we started putting the ordinance together to form a special improvement district. And uh, I ended up chairing the organization for the first 10 years. Wow. Wow. So Michael told me a little about you cobbling together three municipalities, Somerville, Raritan, and Bridgewater, so that your zoning and planning was all in one. Did I understand him correctly? You did, but that's a different initiative. That's the regional center initiative. Okay. Ordered in the late 90s uh, uh, and is more of a uh, uh, an intermunicipal planning organization. Got it. Which has been very successful from the standpoint of, of uh, getting projects done and not having those projects negatively impact neighboring communities. The, and and the, with the regional center designation through the State Planning Association, um, we've been able to access significant grant money for the three communities. Um, and accomplish a lot of things that uh, that independently we would have had a lot of trouble doing. Well, when you look at downtown Somerville today, setting COVID aside because it's just a disruptor, um, you got to say to yourself, this didn't happen by accident. This is a great little combination of things. It's it's got walkability. It's got its diverse diverseness plus inclusionness, if there's such a word as inclusionness. And it's got its walk around capability, which is something I think people have been looking for for a long time. Well, when, when we when we started this again, the Commons was about to open, and, and right. um, we had to bring positive attention to the downtown. I mean, we had a uh, a great asset in a linear downtown um, that was fairly productive, but it was the kind of retail that we anticipated losing. Right. Shoe stores, jewelry stores, soft goods stores, things that were not going to be able to compete with the a mall. million square foot regional mall a quarter of a mile away. So we sat down and we figured out we'd, we'd take a bit of a gamble. We didn't want to we didn't want to develop a theme downtown. We didn't want to become, you know, Wild West City or right. anything. We figured that that if we did the right things, the town would positively evolve. So our first initiative was to redo the streetscape um, and get a lot of publicity to get that done. So we spent a million bucks, borrowed the money or bonded the money spent a million bucks and took our, our, uh, our falling apart concrete sidewalks and, and uh, did a new street, streetscape with, with the, uh, 
the decorative pavers and, and planting beds and new trees. Mm -hmm. And while we did that, we got a lot of publicity for it. So we were not, we were not getting swallowed up by the publicity on the Bridgewater Commons. Right. And, uh, you know, it, we got it all done over the course of, I don't know, three, four, five years. But at that point, our budget was pretty much restricted to paying debt service. Right. Um, when we established, when we tried to figure out how we would raise money, uh, there was a lot of flexibility in the, in the, uh, in the enabling legislation. Um, we could have charged the property owners by square foot, by linear foot, um, by any number of, of different methods to raise money. But we decided that we would, uh, we would charge the property, assess the property owners uh, a percentage of their annual property taxes paid. And when we put that together, the thought process was we will get more money every year, but we won't be the bad guys by mm -hmm. raising taxes. Right. Because we would get a percentage of the property taxes. So what started off as a $104,000 a year budget in our first year is now over $600,000 a year, wow. um, which, which allows a strong marketing effort, um, a strong infrastructure effort to keep things clean and in place and, and, and attractive. Um, it allows for the hiring of professionals to run the organization. It was run on a, on a pretty much volunteer basis. We were lucky when we got started because there was an organization called the Somerset Alliance for the Future, which is one of the predecessor organizations to the Somerset County Business Partnership. And they had staff that became our staff. Okay. And, and, and allowed us to, to have some professional support. Um, Steve Dragos was the, the, uh, the head of the Somerset Alliance and Richard Close, who was still working for Somerset County, ended up our part-time professional. Hmm. And without, without, without him at that point in time, we would have been stuck in the mud. Um, but it enabled us to move forward, pay debt service, get a little bit more money, and then begin to hire at initially a single professional executive director, and now a little bit more staff than, than we had earlier. And what is the name for that organization today? Today, then it was it was the, the Somerville District Management Corporation. Right. It has now changed its name to the Downtown Somerville Alliance. Summer, Downtown Somerville Alliance. Wow. You know, I, I look and Michael asked me about two years ago because he knows I'm involved in Huntington County as well. I said, what does Huntington County think about what we're doing in Downtown Somerville? And I said, Michael, it's pure lust. They hope they can get accomplished over there what you've got done here. And, you know, now it's two or three years later and Jack Custo I had on the show about two months ago finally has final approval to get started with the pared down project in Hunterdon County. But, right. but downtown um, Flemington 
is a thrift store town now, as I imagine Somerville was right after the mall went in. There, there were mom and pop stores, more hobby than retail. In other words, they, they look like retail stores, but they were somebody's hobby. And we can't even get them to all stay open on a night when we have a movie at the theater at the end of town. Um, Somerville is... They're the same problems. Same those, problems. Those, 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 problems are, those problems aren't unique. Right. Um, and they take years to overcome. I mean, I, I, I've known I, that, that Flemington has tried a number of times to establish a special improvement district. And, and, and they have not been terribly successful at it. Bound Brook has tried numerous times right. to have a special improvement district. And, and they, I think they still do, but, but I don't see any accomplishment. <laughs> um, it requires, it re requires a, a, a sugar daddy or two on council. Yep. Somebody who is actively uh, part of the government who is actively supporting what you're doing. Um, because it can't be done by a bunch of volunteers. And, and we had that, we had that in, in, in Mike Kerwin initially. Right. In, and, and subsequently with other council members. Um, and we were able to, we were able to make progress. Um, but it was, a you know, I mean, the, the, the original vote that we had to get this thing passed, we walked into the meeting for the, the to pass the ordinance. We walked in with a four to two vote and, uh, uh, ended up ended up having one of the councilmen go belly up on us, wow. and it was a three to three vote. And Mike Kerwin, as mayor, had to break the tie. Wow. So, so that's how we got started. Um, in hindsight, I think that everybody everybody that was on that council, if they were if you were to ask them right now, they, they would agree that that uh, it was a positive move. But look, look what it's brought you. I mean, you, you have, as, as Hunterdon has, I mean, you, both towns have equal things. They, there's an old downtown feel to it. There is a city hall, plus there is a county seat. There's big shopping nearby, but not necessarily downtown. And there's a lot of um, allegiance to the past that doesn't want any bricks touched. And, and hundred and at least that's what Jack was fighting against for the longest time, um, and that allegiance, which I agree with, I love history, is also in a way of moving forward because one of our guys, he's also uh, with Coldwell Banker, who I'm with, said, you know, downtown Somerville when I was a kid was the cool place to go. There was no more downtown down some Somerville, downtown hundred, and he's saying. What we're trying to do at some point in time is get it to be the cool place to go again. And Somerville has accomplished that. You've got um, events like the bicycling event, the Friday night event with the cars, the, the restaurants that are down there, the retailers down there, just the walk, park the car and walk around experience that is down there all adds together to be the Somerville that we know and love today. And it wasn't like that all along. It took a long time to get it from 1988 to 2021. Well, it, it did. I mean, you know, initially, you know, we, we probably had four or five shoe stores. We probably had uh, two, three, four jewelry stores. We mm -hmm. had uh, women's fashions. We had, we had a, an Army-Navy store. We had a place where you could buy jeans. And all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden there was no place to buy underwear. They were all gone. Right. Everything was gone. I mean, we, we had, we had a, a pretty significant vacancy rate, which was a bit problematic, certainly for the, the, the property owners, but we, it took time for the evolution to take place. And we knew, we knew it would, we anticipated that it would become food and antiques. Okay. That was the, that was, that was the bet that we made with ourselves initially that it would evolve into food and antiques. And we were right. Um, There is, there is, there was more antique locations a few years ago than there are now. Okay. But, but now we are getting, we are getting um, boutique retail. Yep. Um, I don't have to explain the restaurant issue. Um, You can get any kind of food in the world. And most of it is really quite good. Right. Um, and then when when uh, uh, Mayor Gallagher took the initiative with the, I don't know whether it was the, the DSA or the DMC at that point in time, but took the initiative to close Division Street, mm-hmm. which I personally opposed and am perfectly willing to admit that I was dead wrong. <laughs> um you know, that became, that became the focus of, of, of everything that we do downtown anymore. Right. You know, I mean, you mentioned the bike race, the bike race has been here since 1938 or 39. Right. But the, the, uh, the classic cars was an initiative of the organization that I was chairing for those 10 years. Okay. Um, Tony Yatori, who was a, uh, uh, a business owner in town um, and and on the the DMC board with me, he and I he and I worked very very hard to persuade uh, the borough government to allow those cars to come into town on Friday nights. And you know it started off with ten or twenty cars, and now it's one hundred and fifty. Wow! Um, and it brings you know four thousand people walking the streets in town. Doesn't do a lot for the retail on a Friday night, but if you put your lights on in your window and and you have a nice window display, they're going to come back tomorrow and shop. Yeah. Um, you know, help the restaurants and, and, uh, you know, any, any attention that you can bring to town, positive attention that you're going to bring to town is going to be beneficial in the long run. And that's how we've, that's how we've built what we've built. So the mall opens in 88 you get everything built up between the mall opening and where it was 12 months ago. And then March 13th, 2020, the proverbial, you'll know what hits the fan. And <laughs> what, what happened during that year? Did we continue the car nights? Did we continue? No, we canceled. The, 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 the classic cars run on Friday nights from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Okay. It extends because the guys will bring their cars in anyway. Right. But officially, those are the dates. And it was canceled because we didn't want people walking the streets, nor did the government. You know, I mean, you know, it was it was a complete shutdown. So we did not have that this past year. And uh, um, hope I don't know. I don't know whether any final decision has been made, but hopefully we'll be able to bring it back um, after Memorial Day this year. What about the bicycle race? Did it go on? 
the bicycle race was canceled last year. Okay. Um, and this year it has been postponed until Labor Day. And so it's, it's, a, late, it's a Memorial Day typically? Yeah, it has been Memorial Day since, since the beginning. Okay. Um, what, what about restaurant business? I mean, were restaurants totally closed? Were they closed with some sidewalk and takeout? They were, they were closed for a while. They had to, they had to adapt to the ability to serve uh, on the sidewalk. You know, some of them had been doing that already. Right. Right. You know, St. Pierre at Verve had been outside already, um, as did a couple of other restaurants over on, uh, right near where he is on, on, uh, uh, on East Main. Yeah. Um, but then, then the, 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 uh, the DSA took control and got permission to uh, uh, put what they call parklets on the street, little wooden platforms to extend the reach of, of the restaurant so they could put more tables outside. Okay. And, and uh, it, it was enough to keep most of the restaurants going. Uh, I'm sure it hurt terribly um financially but but they adapted and and they cut back and and they apparently have survived um a few of the smaller ones have closed yeah but but um the majority of the restaurants have survived and 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 hopefully now will begin to prosper once again so I, I look at Somerville as a destination city in a lot of people's mind. They do some court or legal business there. They go down on Friday nights and maybe have dinner. They come back on Saturday because they saw a store they like, and they do a little walking around and shopping. But Somerville also has a population. It's about a little under 4% of the entire county, if I know my numbers right. Um, when I talk to Jim Hughes from Rutgers, he talks about how we paired or fared through this event unemployment-wise. He said the, the people that are accredited, he calls them elite, but people with college, with technology, with a decent job probably didn't miss a beat because they could either work from home or they found new ways to adapt. I work out of my car, so it wasn't, but for months we didn't sell houses, so we did take a hit. But the next level is the people who've got to go to work. And some of those people are the first line responders, which could be doctors and nurses and police and firemen. But then there's the people that are the bread and butter of our, our city, which are the people who probably aren't going to buy a house based on what they're earning, but they are have to go to work to earn a living. And those people got hit the hardest. As a matter of fact, what Jim Hughes, I don't know if you know Jim from Rutgers, yeah. he talks about economy and whatever. He said, it's, we, we put back, we went up to about 16% unemployment. We're now down to nine and change. But he said, that nine and change is going to take us three years to get back to work. And I talked to Bonnie Duncan in United Way in Hunterdon. She said, Joe, it's not only the people are out of work, but the people they used to work for, little gas stations and retail stores and small restaurants, they're out of work collecting unemployment now. We've got to rebuild from the bottom up. And I would think Somerville is going to have its hands full in that aspect. Well, I, you know, I mean, one of the things that hurts now, going back to the discussion on the restaurants, one of the things that hurts now is... 
I mean, there, there, there were estimates that were that there are up to 30,000 people in Somerville uh, on a Monday to Friday outside of COVID right. uh, on a Monday to Friday between the county facility, the medical center um, and all of the things that operate in concert with those two entities. That yep. there are a lot of people in town on on Monday to Friday that, right. that will shop on Main Street, will have lunch on Main Street, will stay for dinner, and that that's gone right now. Right. And and the question as to what is going to be normal um, is going to impact those. You know, are are people going to continue to work from home as they're doing now? when all of this plays out and how is that going to affect these businesses? So it's from the standpoint of, from the standpoint of a, a, a restaurant owner or a, a retail, a main street retail store owner, you're going to have to continue to adapt yep. if you're going to be successful, because this is not something COVID is not something that's going to appear and go away. No, it yep. appeared and it's going to change things for the long term. For the long term. And I, I think one of the things that changed immediately, and I think we're seeing it, but we're not realizing what we're seeing, is that there are a lot of people that aren't going back to New York or the area of New York City any longer, and probably may never go back or not go back to the extent that they were going back. And those people are living and spending and eating lunch and doing things locally and spending more money in our local economy than it's ever been spent by that segment of our people. But that segment is probably 20 to 30% of our people. Um, the next is those people have still had to go to work, but probably the, the lower third of our people, um, they're hurting. I mean, I, it hurts me to think how much they're hurting because they got promised a lot of things, not to get political about it. Okay, don't worry about it, the unemployment's coming and the bonuses are gonna be coming and retroactive. Well, they didn't come and they weren't retroactive and now we are finally got things back. So people are getting some unemployment in, in addition, but it's only gonna last so long. And we've got to get back to where we were in some way, shape or form for those people to be whole again. And I'm not sure we're ever gonna get back to where we were. I think we're gonna get back to a hybrid of what we know today and what we knew yesterday. And it's gonna be a new normal or a new yeah. abnormal. <laughs> Maybe. Right. I mean, the, the, other, the other advantage that, that, that Summerville is gonna have is, is coincident with, with COVID was the couple of years building up the, the, the state building up the potential for redevelopment in towns like Somerville right? Um, with the transit village and all of the other advantages. Somerville is probably in the process of getting maybe 14 or 1500 new residential units. Okay. Town of 12 and a half thousand people. Yep. You're probably you have the potential to bring in another two to three thousand as permanent residents over the course of the next two or three years, and these people are coming. I believe they're coming from North Jersey in in the more densely populated right. counties. They're coming from New York because they want to get out of the city. Right. Um, 
the potential for uh, for the one seat ride into Newark, into New York, or into New York. Um, the I, I saw in the paper this morning that uh, the the, the uh, uh, head of transportation in the Biden administration is focused on the Gateway Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to be huge to for all the towns along the Raritan Valley line. The only one I care about being Somerville. Yeah. Uh, but but you know all of those things are are. I mean, I don't believe in coincidences, but right. but but are are happening within the course of the same ten years, say. Yeah, and that's all good. I think it's good too because one of the things um, Denise taught us when we were doing the uh, leadership summer set that you know we have a vein of poverty that starts in the plain fields and it runs through Bound Brook and Somerville and Raritan and Manville, but that it follows the railroad. And the railroad's done a total 360 because the closer you are to the railroad, the more things are going to come back quicker. And that's sort of good news because I think it's going to rejuvenate towns quicker than it wasn't by design that it followed the railroad. It was because that's how people got there when they couldn't afford a car to drive. And now the very same reason, if you can get a one seat ride into New York along those railroad stops, um, it's going to be amazing because one of the I was reading it, it was either in Manville or in Raritan, they were breaking dirt and a railroad train went by. And the commissioner who was doing the first shovel of dirt on this urban expansion problem said, if it wasn't for that train, we wouldn't be digging this dirt. Right. And that's an amazing observation because it's something that's sorely needed, which is accessibility to the urban areas without having to drive there. And it's, it's been missing over the years. The other thing I think Somerville's done very well is combine uh, housing with development. In other words, we didn't just develop a shopping area in downtown Somerville, we developed a, a live and walk to the shopping area in downtown right. Somerville. And that's- out of, out, of, <clears throat> out of my estimate of 1400 units, which could be right, could be wrong, but but um, I would say six or seven hundred of them, eight hundred maybe, are within a five minute walk of the train station. Right. Because we've developed residential units on both sides. Right. Of the train station, and and you know what more can you ask? You can't because it's. It, and it's obviously not by mistake, you've developed where people need to live and a little bit of where the property was available. Uh, and some of that I'm sure is um, affordable housing because it has to be by law. Right, right. But you've also developed pretty executive level buildings as well. So any, any job that you have could live in Somerville if that's where you wanted to live. And I think more and more people, Mike Kerwin said it best. He said, we're, we're thinking more of the one car family anymore. The, the thing of having two cars is going away. And well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, that, that's one of the, the uh, uh, principles of the millennial generation, number one. Right. Is having no car or one car. 
Right. And, and if you have all of those residential units where you can walk to the train station to get to work, you only need one car. Right. And with the price of gas in the last two weeks, you don't want to have two cars. It's amazing what's happened to gas. It's been a whole, uh, <laughs> you're going to start me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I look at downtown Flemington too, because it, it's a walkable. It's, it's at least you only need one car. That's why it's built up where it is with all the townhouses and the, the rentals that are down there. The husband may take the car and go to work and then a wife needs to get groceries. She could even walk or a quick cab ride and Uber uh, helps all that. Although Uber seems to be Uber eats more than Uber drives anymore. Right. Um, I, it just seems, and, and you add the icing on the cake in that nearby um the Patriots are going to be a Yankees farm team. Um, I don't know if that's the right description, but it's a Yankees double A team, I guess. Yeah. And that's going to bring people that needs a place to eat. And you've got other companies coming into the area. Um, Santa Fe, which is just south of Bedminster, I just read is going to start manufacturing the Janssen uh, vaccine now. So, They've been bringing people into the area. Somerville's where it needs to be at this point in time. It just needs to catch its breath from what it went through for the last 12 months. And I think it's going to take another six months before it can start catching its breath. Although I know I've got my shot and I feel a lot different than I did two months ago about going places. Oh, I'm the the same way. Yeah. Uh, I got, my wife and I got our, our second one, uh, two weeks ago today or three weeks ago today, three weeks ago today. Okay. That's and, about mine. To be absolutely honest with you for 11 months, for 11 months, all I did was go to my office, which is a one person operation in my office. Yep. I go to my office in the morning, work for a few hours and come home. And, and I have not gone with my wife to shop, right? Um, yeah. I'm diabetic. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the top of that list of yeah. getting sick before the shots. And, and uh, um, I didn't do anything, um, including, including curb service at the liquor store. I, you know, I, I didn't do a thing. I wow. didn't, you know, I didn't interact with anybody. And then now I will, now I go into the liquor store. Okay. Uh, I might go to Costco with my wife this weekend. Right. I am a little bit more confident. Um, than I was, but I'm still masked up and yeah. I'm staying away from people. And, and I'm still washing my hands when you get home and uh, you're doing all the things you were taught to do, which we probably should have been doing all along. Right. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, this is not, this is not going, you know, when, when everybody gets their shot in the next two, three, four months, five months, whatever it may be, it's still not going away. No. No, it's it's going to be what we used to get as a vaccine booster once a year for the flu. You're not going to get for this right. or combined. And once again, I think it's going to be the good and the bad of both put together becomes the new world. And I think the new world isn't so bad. Unfortunately, we did lose a lot of people along the way. Um, but at the same time, the feeling that we're coming out of it that you and I seem to share. And Mike Kerwin said the same thing. He says, hey, we're, we're the, uh, the boomer generation. Nothing ever stopped us. We're, we're gay. So people are lasting longer. They're working longer. I'm in my 70s. I'm still working full time. And um, 
I know we, we were just planning a trip to go see a new grandchild down in Charleston. And I'm looking at the airfares and they're starting to go up again. It was dirt cheap to fly a couple of months ago. It's not anymore. So we booked it. Um, we actually booked into Atlanta because it was cheaper. We're going to drive over. But um, I don't think what we saw as far as fear of traveling is going to last much longer, if it's going to last longer at all. The second thing that's happening, and there's some pent up money that people didn't spend or maybe are getting because of the relief packages that now needs to be spent. It's either in the bank or it resides in paid down debt and credit card balances, but now they can go out and spend it again. I don't think we're ready to go to Europe yet, but I think we're ready to get out of um, Somerset and Hunterdon County a little bit. And uh, that's gonna start happening in the second half of this year. Yeah, I, the all we have done, all we have done in the last 12 months is take two quick trips to to the Finger Lakes, okay? Because of the relationship, the COVID relationship between right. New York State and New Jersey. I right. mean, the, the restrictions were the same, and and you know we felt somewhat comfortable up there, um, but we haven't done anything, and and yeah. you know I, I don't know when we will. Um, hopefully soon. Sooner than you were thinking this time right. last year. That's take the last before I get on a cruise ship. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have one of my customers works in the cruise industry, and man, he's decimated. That's it's just absolutely. Yeah, Rich, this has been very enlightening. I um, I think a lot of what I've seen in both Somerset County and Somerville, and the people I've met along the way. I think uh, Somerville's story is a great story, and it'll continue to put itself back together as we come out of COVID. What haven't we covered that you'd like to mention before we break off? I, I think we've, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of people deserve a lot of credit for bringing Somerville to where it is now. Right. Um, you know, the, the original uh, eight member, uh, district management corporation board um, and and the people that 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 served on that board over the course of 30 years you know all contributed to to making Somerville what it is now um, we've got a very effective and and progressive executive director right now for downtown right and and uh, um, she's doing unique things. Um, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see the Black History Month display on Division Street, no. which, which was absolutely spectacular um, and got a lot of notoriety outside of Somerville and Somerset County, um, which is good. Another reason to come to Somerville. Well, I mean, 50% diverse right now, so it's, right. it's a melting pot. You know, if you look at just to compare Somerville to Flemington, it's Flemington's probably under 10% diverse. So it's it's a different world. And that world is very proud of its past and it should be. And it's amazing how well it's come together for Somerville. And um, I'm just glad to be a little bit a part of that and doing some um, documentation through these podcasts on how it came to be and what it all is. Rich, I thank you for joining me, and uh, maybe I'll pick you up again in six months or so. We'll see how things are clunking along. Well, thanks for the opportunity, and 
things will move forward. We're doing well. I'm sure they will. And for people like you to keep it moving forward. Wow. Thanks to Rich Reitman. I think we now all have a much better view of how the downtown Somerville area has fared through the COVID epidemic and what happens next. I've included Rich's company information, the Reitman Group, in the overview of this podcast. Please give Rich a call if you feel his background and company can be of help to you. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker sales associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his clients' best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.